feminism is good for the world and the church and other lies you've been told. Let's talk about it with Rosaria Butterfield on Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. Hey, we're so glad you're here. You always have a place at our table. In case you were wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy. Matthew Porter is here. He's our executive producer. And, <laughs> oh, and no. if, if Matthew looks sad, it's because he just heard that Veggie Tales has gone woke. Well, I <laughs> I just heard the rumor that Larry the Cucumber was transitioning to a, a pickle. <laughs> well, our producer, pickle. Jeremy, is in the little glass booth. And speaking of pickles, when it comes to playing live music, Jeremy is a big deal. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, Matthew. Who writes this stuff? I don't write these. <laughs> Matthew does. And I, as soon as the program is over, he will be fired. <laughs> That's the right thing to do. Our, our one-man IT department, John Myers, is in the tech bunker. Uh, call him a romantic, but John gets a little emotional. This time each year when the leaves change, the weather gets cooler. <laughs> And the electric bill drops. <laughs> and Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life. George says as you get older, you become less mobile. But it's okay, because as you get older, you also have less places to go. <laughs> True. And, of course, Kathy Wyatt is the soft, feminine side of this program. We're always glad to have Kathy here, but especially glad to have her perspective today. Matthew, that was very gracious of you. <laughs> very kind. My goodness. Oh, she gets a nice one. I know. What's up with that? <laughs> He's like looking her. for cookies. Oh, yeah. yeah, mark this date down. <laughs> He's looking for cookies. Looking for cookies. There you go. <laughs> Guys batting down the hatches. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield is here. Now, before we go any further, I want you to know she is not my friend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Actually, she is, and she's an author, a pastor's wife, homeschool mom, former professor of English and women's studies at Syracuse University. She's written several books, including uh, Openness Unhindered, the Gospel Comes with a House Key, and the latest book, which I hold in my nicotine-stained fingers, Five Lives of Our Anti-Christian Age. Boy, you pulled out the stops on this one. <laughs> You're going to have to learn to say what you think. I mean, <laughs> quit being so shy about it. Rosaria, for those who and there probably aren't many who aren't familiar with you, give us a little bit of your story because it is mind-blowing. Thank you, Steve. And, I, and actually, it does help explain why I wrote 
the book that you are holding in your nicotine stained <laughs> fingers, sir. Um, and, and really why I had to write the book because I am currently a, a, a mother and a grandmother and a pastor's wife. I've been married to my, my husband, Kent, for almost as long as I've been a Christian. All of that sounds like I could crochet a doily and put it on your front door and it would all just, but, but, um, but I came to Christ from the gay rights movement. I was a lesbian, feminist, activist, professor at Syracuse University, and I was uh, working on a book, um, basically trying to figure out why people like you all hated the person I used to be. I wanted to understand the religious right, and I wanted to understand why this book, the Bible, had such a sway on what I thought were probably reasonable people. And in the course of writing that book, very providentially, the Lord sent uh, Pastor Ken Smith, who is the pastor of the First Reformed Presbyterian Church um, in Syracuse. And he um, he and his wife, Floyd, became more than my neighbors. Um, they became very much my, my counselors and my friends. And after two years of reading the Bible seven times and turning the pages of my heart over with the pages of the word of God, I became convicted that the word of God is true and that the Lord Jesus is indeed risen and resurrected and quite alive and sits at the right hand of God the Father. And that would be true whether I believed it or not. And so when I committed my life to Jesus, I had a lot of questions like, like what was the Lord going to do with at that point, my fairly persistent lesbian feelings. Um, what was the Lord going to do with my job? I kidded around, but it was sort of true. I was tenured in queer theory, which means I, you know. Like, <laughs> um, um, but I'm here to report, uh, you know, 24 years later, uh, the Lord specializes in cracking hard cases like mine. And while it was rigorous, to be sure, um, I would never in a, in, in a, in a, I would just never trade what I have now for what I had then. And um, life in Christ is not easy. It's not for the faint-hearted. But in Christ, um, those hardships, um, those hardships come with a mighty God. And um, the Lord did deal with my sin. The Lord did give me victory over my sin. Um, now, uh, have I been lobotomized? Uh, not last I checked. By the end of the show, you, you all may think I'm ready for memory care, but um, but I haven't been lobotomized. But I definitely experienced what it means to have a life hidden in Christ through God. And while um, still, you know, sin will still affect me and everyone else. And I really do mean that. I will still, I was, a, you know, I was, I was a professional sinner, guys. I don't know if you know that. Um, but I still wake up. I can still wake up easily at two o'clock in the morning. And the Lord is calling me to repent of a sin that I had either forgotten about or I was too drunk to really have it bring to my, you know, the top of the mind. So I don't want anybody to live like that. We, we want truly... Um, we want truly to um, have God crucify us to the world, and um, we want the Lord to crucify the world to us. So um, one of the things I often think about is the first part of my story often 
seems to be more authentic in the lives in the minds of of people today than the latter part. I was apparently more authentic as a lesbian feminist activist with a lover and a platform uh, with the gay rights community than I am today as a heterosexually married woman and a grandma with gray hair. Um, uh, st- uh, and and so that's you know a question I have: if lived experience is supposedly authentic on the terms of the LGBTQ rights movement, why isn't it across the board? But the other thing that this reminds me is it humbles me because the world we look at right now is the world I helped create. I see my fingerprints all over it. Mm. Wow. That You know, that's where your power is uh, in uh, the authenticity of you're not saying I'm good and you're bad and I'm going to make you like me, which yeah, is right. the MO that Christians get, which isn't true of most Christians that I know. But we get that that charge. By the way, you told us uh, before we began this interview that this is not a book you wrote for the world to straighten them out. This is a book for Christians. What what do you mean by that? Yeah, I say it right in the introduction. In fact, specifically, this book is for Christian women. This is for for moms and grandmas and 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 you know sisters and and cousins and aunts who have looked out on this world and have wondered why we can't major on the majors anymore. Um, have asked me that question directly. If Christ is not divided, why is the church? And so what I did is I sat down in a kind of Titus two way and came up with three reasons that the church is divided, that have unleashed five lies that have always been in the world, but that are now being bandied about as useful, pragmatic, helpful, or even true by the broad evangelical church. And the saddest part of all of this is I used to believe all of those lies as an unbeliever, and I even believed some of them as a believer. So the book begins with my repentance. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why y'all are interviewing me, because it's a mess. (laughs) In fact, I was thinking, you're not even saved. We're gonna get. We're gonna. We're gonna follow her to school board meetings. She seems like this sweet, nice person, but mm-hmm. she can be in your face, mm-hmm. and you're gonna be surprised at the stories that come out of that. Um, are you shocked with what Christians believe? Oh, me? No, no, not at all. Satan is very powerful. Satan is very seductive. But we need to remember that it's not only a. Lo- it's not only a sin to tell a lie, it's a sin to believe a lie. Mm. So these lies, these five lies, we need to confront. We need to be like the Bereans and really see if they are lies. Test me. Look at me. I mean, I listen, I'm an old professor. I think where everybody thinks the same, nobody thinks very much. So I welcome dissent. I welcome, uh, you know, pushback. But I believe these are lies. I believe they're in the church. And I believe that Aiken is in the church. We need to repent if we want to see God's blessing. Oh, man. The name of the book is The Five Lives of Our Anti-Christian Age. And uh, uh, Rosaria won't say it, but I will. If you believe them and you talk about them, you'll get the hives. (laughs) 
Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube. And if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like no E in Blaster. Just Blaster. 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 Anyhow, that's how the colons do it. Hi, this is Steve Brown. And in case you didn't know, one of the main reasons Key Life exists is to remind believers that God isn't mad at his children. Why am I telling you this? Because our weekly email, Key Life Connection, takes the best of the videos, articles, and puts them right in your inbox. We'd love for you to try it. It's free. Go to keylife.org slash subscribe. So glad you're here. Uh, we're hanging out with author Rosaria Butterfield. We like her a lot. Her new book is called The Five Lives of Our Anti-Christian Age. Uh, Rosaria, uh, uh, the, the five lies, I want you to list them so not what we're talking about. And then there were three other things that you mentioned. Yeah. And we'll kind of set this up with that, and then uh, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, sounds great. Well, as I said, um, this book was prompted by the fact that many women would write to my website and ask me questions like, if Christ is not divided, why are Christians? Why can't we just major on the majors anymore? Why can't we agree on what the majors are? And um, I came up with three reasons. And those three reasons are are pretty simple. You know, the first is that I don't think that we have remembered that the seeds of the gospel are in the garden, that uh, Genesis 1.27 is an anthropological statement. It tells us uh, who I am being made in the image of God. And it tells me as a Christian that I am to grow in the knowledge, righteousness, and holiness of Christ to be more of who I am. And so while the world is saying things like, well, but you can be a gay Christian, you can be a trans Christian, um, uh, that is a confusion of how the New Testament anchors itself many, many times in the Old Testament. Uh, The gay and trans come from the world, the flesh, and the devil, not from image bearing. The second reason is I don't think Christians know what time it is. I think everybody's still partying like it's 1999, Steve. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people know that that reference, but you and I do. Yeah, I don't think they know what time it is. I don't think they know that we live in a post-Obergefell world and that the the decision, the Supreme Court decision to legalize gay rights came with something called a dignitary harm clause, which meant that it was, it is now called a harm. It is harmful to someone if you deny their LGBTQ plus identity. That's so instead of dignity being rooted in the image of God, dignity is now rooted in the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then along with that, we live post-Bostock, which is the Supreme Court decision that put LGBTQ plus into the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And what did that do? That prompted the Biden administration to redefine Title IX so that biological men can now play in women's sports and to create something called anti-bullying legislation, which is in every federal, every government school by federal mandate 
that really uh, teaches uh, transgender ideology as an anti-bullying position. So that's what time it is. And I know that God is bigger than time. I do realize that. I know that God created time, but you and I exist within time. And when it comes to the question of like giving people Titus II recommendations, should I send my kid to government school, et cetera, et cetera, you have to know what time it is. Um, and the third reason is because the evangelical church has decided it no longer really wants to love its enemy. That's too hard. They want to pretend their enemy is their friend. Everybody's a friend. Everybody wants to be a soft presence here in Sodom. And that's cowardly. And it makes you carry water for the other team. Mm. So then those are the three reasons. And then I thought about it and I realized it has le- unleashed the five lies that I used to believe wholesale as a, as a queer feminist activist professor, um, and that I even hung on some, in some of these things in my Christian life, but it's unleashed these into the world. And the five lies are simply these. The first is that homosexuality is normal. I use the word normal for a reason. Normal, natural, part of the creation ordinance, perfectly appropriate, um, and therefore, the church needs to dehumanize, or I'm sorry, not dehumanize, the church needs to humanize its LGBTQ plus neighbors um, uh, and see things from their perspective. The second lie is that pagan spirituality is kind. We can learn from the anagram and other things like that. We need to incorporate that. We need to put Jesus on that coexist bumper sticker because biblical Christianity is harsh. Um, the way that Peter Jones has put it, I think this is absolutely right, is that biblical Christianity is binary and anti-biblical Christianity, paganism, is non-binary. The third is that feminism is good for the church and the world. And with feminism, this idea that there really is a difference between your biological sex and your cultural gender and that that, need, that sex gender distinction needs to be separate and clear and promoted from the ends of the, of the of, you know, from the ends of the world. The fourth is that transgenderism is a normal gender variant for some people. And therefore, we should be allowing things like the castration of minors under the name of the 14th Amendment. Uh, we should be promoting social transitioning in kindergarten and up. And we should be allowing cross-sex hormones and, um, and surgery for anyone who wants it. And the fifth, is that modesty is an outdated uh, norm that holds women back and supports patriarchy. And, um, and I have you know, realized that these five lies, all of which I believe, so again, I don't know why you're talking to me, I'm probably the most illegitimate person to write this book in some ways, has, have actually crept into the broad evangelical church, especially in its parachurch ministry uh, functions. And uh, that has made it extremely difficult, if not impossible, for the church to proclaim a gospel that gives people like the person I used to be actual victory over sin. Oh, man, you got to learn to say, gosh, (laughs) to um, say what you mean. (laughs) I'm sorry, so much to dive into there, you know, but there's a group of people who this topic, this subject is not academic or political at all. Uh, it's very, very personal, and I'm Christian parents who have a kid who just right. had some moment, some crossroads that says, hey, no, actually, this is who I am. I'm going to pursue this. I, I know them. I've seen uh, just the 
heartache, the unrelenting heartache that they are going through, loving their child, not being able to understand how is this person reconciling these two or turning their back on, or, or not even turning their back. If they turn their back on their beliefs, you're like, I get it. You've, you've walked away. But, but to hold them in both hands and not see the complete disconnect between the two, and we might need to dive into this on the other side of the break, but I wondered if you would um, speak to those parents and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. offer them some comfort or encouragement. And if I could just quickly say, I have a whole appendix to the book that speaks to those parents. Mm. It's called How to Stay Connected to Your Prodigal Without Becoming Indoctrinated. Mm. And I talk, I talk deeply about how Ken Smith said to me on the first time he met me, I can accept you as a lesbian, but I don't approve. And so that distinction between acceptance and approval is a key thing. But we can talk more about it after break if you'd awesome. like. Oh, and we will. <laughs> I mean, you can't just leave it hanging like that. I mean, we might have to do three or four programs to get to the heart of it, but we're going to do it. By the way, the the book is, uh, is a book you need to get, and you need to study it in small groups in the church because these things need to be said. They need to be discussed. We need to see stay solid on the rock that we have and that's biblical revelation the name of the book five lives of our anti-christian age if that sounds kind of in your face that's because it is <laughs> guys we're gonna this is hard work and uh, we're gonna take a nap and have some cookies but like jesus we're coming back Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. Hi, this is Steve Brown, and I'm excited to tell you about a new offer from Key Life called <laughs> Living with Steve. Let me tell you the way it works. I travel with you wherever you go. If you need an entertaining conversation or even a sermon, there I am. That's the good news. The bad news is that it costs a million bucks. <laughs> but wait, there's good news. You can get everything I've just described with the Key Life app. And for a limited time, it's not a million dollars. It's free. Try it now at keylife.org app. So glad that you take time out of your busy schedule to with uh, to be with us, and you're getting great benefit from it. So I don't feel guilty about it. Uh, we're hanging out with Rosaria Butterfield, and you can keep up with her at Rosaria. That's spelled R-O-S-A-R-I-A, and you can spell Butterfield Rosaria Butterfield. Dot com. Rosaria, before the break, we were talking about the situation that Christian parents find themselves in when, you know, some of them have Christian kids who have just 
said, well, I'm also going to be gay, live a gay lifestyle. And parents are caught in this tension of like, I want to speak truth to them, but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm scared because right. I don't want to, it's a tenuous connection I still have to them. Should I just hold on for dear life and hope for the best? Any, any encouragement that you were, uh, right. Absolutely. Well, as I said, the, the appendix of my book was written in part to respond to all the questions that come to my website about that. So questions about, do I go to a gay marriage? Do I, do I have my, my, do I allow my, my son and his partner to come for Thanksgiving? What about the baby showers? Those kinds of things. And, and so I think that, you know, the general, you know, position that you always want to take is you want to stay strongly connected to your prodigal and you want to be firm in your not being indoctrinated. So one of the ways you do that is you make sure that you are in a really good Bible believing church and you've got people who can hold your ankles as you feel like you're dangling off the edge. But part of what the gay rights movement wants to do is part of what I did for years, and that's make homosexuality look wholesome. Make it look like it's all great. What's your problem, you, you bigot? You know, don't you see I'm happy? But there's absolutely nothing wholesome or safe about either homosexuality or transgenderism. And so as you're hanging on to your prodigal, it's a really good idea to connect with other parents who are in your position. Because sometimes you can pray for other people's kids with a certain liberty that you might not feel with your own. One of the things you always want to do is keep your child's history, especially if that child has gone down the gender ideology trap. Keep your child's If you have to go buy a pod and put all the crocheted doilies in it or whatever, your, your pottery, do it. Um, be, and, you know, don't lie to your child. Um, but that doesn't mean you need to say everything that comes to your mind all at once. So... Um, each situation is different. Make sure that you're in a good church. And um, this is part of the, the um, this is just part of the hard bearing of the cross. But you will not benefit anyone if you confuse empathy with sympathy. Your job is not to empathize and stand in your prodigal's shoes. Your job is to sympathize, stand firmly on a solid rock, and throw a rope. Mm, good stuff. Uh, Rosario, uh, I mean, several things come to mind. You, uh, but um, as you touch on transgenderism, uh, one of the things you mentioned is that the sin of transgenderism is actually the sin of envy. Would you kind of expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you could say something really similar to homosexuality. So let me let me combine the two of them, if that's okay, for a moment. Mm -hmm. Both homosexuality and transgenderism are an attack against the created order. They are attack against what God calls good. Um, now, with transgender, I mean, what, what we used to say in the gay rights movement is that being gay means who you want to go to bed with. Being trans means who you want to go to bed as. <laughs> now, um, in, in some ways, the envy and the violation of the Tenth Commandment is, is, I think, very, very persistent, very clear in transgenderism. Because, um, you know, quite clearly, you are not to desire your neighbor's uh, wife and you're not to de desire your neighbor's sexual anatomy. But sometimes in homosexuality, people don't see it, but it's also quite raging there as well. Um, before you commit a sexual act, before you commit a sin that involves a sexual act, you commit a sin that involves something that the, uh, King James would call concupiscence or the desire for that which God hates. And that is really the 10th commandment. That's all the 10th commandment is, is the desire for that which God has denied you. Now, we know Christians don't throw anybody away. So we understand that this side of the fall, 
there will be people who are hormonally at odds with their bodies, that there are people who's, um, uh, you know, even a small percentage of people who are intersex. We're not, we're, so we are not suggesting that there is no medical side to this conversation. We're just not saying that um, mutilating your body is the solution to it. Um, both transgenderism and I believe homosexuality often come with some pretty profound mental anguish, um, including mental health, what they would call comorbidities, not all, but some, certainly most with transgenderism. And the same mental health anguish that would cause a person to mutilate his body doesn't go away because he does. So the church needs to be ready to proclaim the gospel, not only to the people who have fallen so deep into this trap that they have done this, but to their parents. I have met those parents. Can you, being, can you imagine being the dad of the 14-year-old who supported his castration? Mm -hmm. If I can't think of a group that needs the gospel more powerfully than this group, in part because we know that when Jesus rises again from the grave, those who are in him will be given a new and glorified body because you can't mock God. Oh man, that's such good. And by the way, uh, when uh, Rosaria talks about the gospel, that's at the heart of this. This is not a message of condemnation or hatred. It's a message that is exciting and good news about forgiveness and acceptance and about eternity. We'll continue the discussion and if you're offended by now, there'll be more of it on the other side of the break. <laughs> and it is intentional. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube. And if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, we're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like no E in Blaster, just Blaster, Blaster, Blaster. Anyhow, that's how the colons do it. When Christ promised we could live life to the full, he didn't just mean eventually in heaven, because Jesus didn't come to save us from our humanity, but to restore it. Life with a capital L. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. so glad that you're a part of this. Uh, we're having a great time uh, with Rosaria Butterfield as we're discussing her book, Five Lives of Our Anti-Christian Age. And if you're used to soft peddling, don't get this book. <laughs> this is an in-your-face, loving, kind, even winsome uh, book about truth. Rosaria, when I was listening to some of the things that you said earlier on, especially uh, in response to Matthew's question, um, 
I don't get out much, <laughs> and I, I don't know a lot about this subject, but I was thinking about three specific families that I know who uh, deal w- with these issues, two who have um, female, da- female daughters, that makes sense, right, two daughters who are now say that they are lesbian, and one who has a daughter who um, is trans and is now their son. And I'm thinking of the various ways that these families have handled this. And we, and we did an interview not too long ago. And, and I made the comment that in some of these situations, I tend to resort to that statement where we say, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on things because you don't want to be offensive. You want to be sure that you're being biblical and Christian and all of that, but not agree with things that you think are biblically incorrect. And And the person with whom we were speaking that day said um, very clearly that there are moments where that is just simply not a good response because there are, there are things that you know, we cannot agree to disagree about because there are things that are absolutely, absolutely wrong. And as I look at these three scenarios, um, the one that I, that I personally think has done the best with the situation, um, is the family that's dealing with the transgender issue. And they have, um, for the most part at this point in time, lost this relationship. Um, and not because they've been, been harsh, but because they have tried to love their now son um, and yet maintain what they think is biblically what they need to say and do. And there's a point at which this child is saying to them, if you can't walk on this road with me and believe what I believe, then I want nothing to do with you. And it becomes a hard... It's blackmail. Yes, so exactly. That's a perfect word. And so... While I understand everything that you've just said, there there is that point where it's kind of like there is a line that's been drawn, and it's not in sand. It's it's in concrete, and it's hard and fast. Well, and where do you go at that point? This this is a spiritual battle, and so I would really commend to you a book uh, by a dear friend of mine, Laura Perry Smaltz. The book is called From Transgender to Transformed. And Laura lived as Luke for, I think, over a decade, maybe more than that. And Laura's parents would not lie to her. They prayed for her, and they got the whole church to pray for her. And then when Laura, really, when the word of God commandeered her heart and mind and and just, you know, shattered her in the way that it does, she returned to them. And sometimes people have asked her, why didn't you go to a more progressive church? Why didn't you go to the like Preston Sprinkle Institute? Why didn't you go to these side B gay Christian, you know, let's all empathize with every sin we could imagine because somehow our empathy is going to move the gospel along. And she said, why would I? Why would I go to people who lie to me? I wanted to go to the people who never lied to me. So parents need to hang on to the truth and, um, and I would say, add one more caution, be very careful about what you say on social media. Um, because sometimes parents will tell me, I don't say anything offensive, I don't do anything, you know, but if your social media thread is just filled with, you know, with a lot of things that you can't seem to manage, uh, you know, that's a problem. So, so I would say, hang on, you are doing the right thing. And remember that the terms of blackmail are not things you can negotiate with, um, uh, you know, the, because these these people really do believe, thanks to 
your federal government, who is happy to create something called the dignitary harm clause, they really believe that they are being hurt because you don't affirm them. Your affirmation is the oxygen that the gay rights movement believed that it needs. Now, wouldn't it be more loving to actually deny them uh, the Kool-Aid and start giving them the truth in privacy, in love, not in a public showdown, not in a, you know, vitriolic, uh, you know, Twitter, you know, spats. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and then their therapist will say things like, well, come on, mom, would you rather have a dead son or a living daughter? And, you know, that's for parents, especially Christian parents. We realize, well, actually, we do want our children dead to sin. And actually, we want them to cut something off, not not body parts. But sin, the, 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 the violation of the 10th commandment. And so I would just say, you know, you cannot control anybody else. I wish you could. I wish I could. We have zero control over anybody else, but you can control yourself. Another very good book to, to read is Marian Grossman, Grossman's Lost in Transnation. In it, she talks about how she used to think 25 years ago that using transgender pronouns was helpful simply because you didn't want to escalate a crisis. But she now realizes in a world that moves you so quickly from social transitioning to uh, cross-sex hormones to surgery, that is absolutely dangerous, that that is the gateway drug. You must not do it. Um, you need to do everything to avoid getting on that. And that's why when, um, again, side B gay Christians want to say, oh, come on, Rosaria, you're just you're just an old cranky grandma. And I am. That's OK. You're right on that one. Um, but when they say it's just vocabulary, no, it's not because people don't lose their jobs for vocabulary. It's ideology. And that is why teachers lose their jobs for not using transgender pronouns. Anytime, uh, you know, vocabulary comes with um, with a civil mandate, it's not just words. So, again, Christians need to know the times and know that the Lord loves your prodigal child. That is a prayed for child. And Christian parents never for a minute deny the power of what it means to be praying for your prodigal. That's where the power is. It's not in the blackmail that the child or the gay rights movement wants to throw in your face. That's a smokescreen um, and you're not, you're not to buy it. But this is a spiritual battle and it's a really hard one and you need support, you need help. Mm. Is this the last segment? No. We got another one? We got another segment? Cool, no we don't. Oh, that was four. Oh, spit. This was the fourth I one? I don't know where this one Where? It's Man, open. I lost. I lost. Rosaria. Golly. You got to do this again. Yeah. I would sure. be happy we to. We just scratched the surface, and we yeah. love you. We think yeah, you're something you. else. Thank you. Well, well, you guys are pretty brave to be saying that out loud <laughs> in public. Oh, we're not going to say that on the air. Oh, <laughs> we're going to cut this out. <laughs> Yeah, but I just, I mean, you absolutely, I would love to come back. Awesome. That'd be great. great. Thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you. The yeah, book, Lord bless you. The book is Five Lives of Our Anti-Christian Age. Get it. You need to read it.
Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org store. This is Pete Allenson, and if you're a guy, I want to show you how to recover and reclaim an intimate, growing relationship with your Heavenly Father. Check out Like Father, Like Son, How Knowing God as Father Changes Men. Available now at keylife.org store. Believer, I want you to remember that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And you will run out of sin before God runs out of grace. Grace, the real good news of the gospel. Find it now on keylife.org store. Batten down the hatches when you have Rosaria on your broadcast. And we like her a lot. But, you know, aside from the truth that she speaks, uh, and she does not compromise. I mean, she's been there, and she's done that. And she has a credibility that very few people have when speaking to these issues. And it has the ring of truth to it when she speaks it. But there's something else that maybe you didn't notice, and that is not just what she says, but how she says it. Uh, We were talking off the air with her, and she was talking about how she goes to school board meetings. And I said, uh, they must hate you. And she laughed and said, no, they come to my house for dinner. And all of a sudden, you begin to see that something's going on here that is very important. Um, we need to learn as Christians to not compromise our truth, but to hug people who aren't Christians, to demonstrate our love, to speak with softness, and more than anything else, to identify. Not necessarily with their particular sin, but as I understand it, that's a fairly universal statement about the human heart being corrupt. If any man says that he sinneth not, he's a liar, and his truth is not him. It's not them and us who are sinners. We all are. And we've got to find a way to speak truth, to never compromise it, and to do it in a way that makes a difference. And uh, Rosaria does that. She has this ability to be kind to identify, to speak the gospel in a way that can be heard in a very, very hostile situation. When she became a Christian, you would think all of her friends just dropped her. They didn't. Uh, They loved her. And yet she was then standing on something that was diametrically opposed to what they believed. Well, enough. I'm preaching to me more than you, so... Who's going to be on next week? Nobody. What do you mean, nobody? It's just... You didn't do your job. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us, and it's our Thanksgiving program. Oh, okay. Oh. Next week. Are you bringing turkey or cookies? No, but uh, if, you play your, <laughs> if you play your cards right, I might bring something. 
Ooh. Pumpkin pie. Pecan so, pie. So, all right. The most profound guest in the history of this broadcast next week. And we hope that you join us. And between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't. And that gives you a wide, wide berth. Oh, there you go.